You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Bookstack. I'm Sydney. I'm Annie. And I'm Nia. Happy New Year's. Today, we have a special chapter for you. Joining us for our season two finale is author Charlie N. Holmberg. You might recall that back in season one, we did a chapter all about interesting magic systems, and I couldn't shut up about her books. Well, now she's here with us to close out our season in style. Hi, Charlie. Hi. Thank you. I'm glad Thank you, you so them. much for being here. <laughs> so let's kick this off. What books inspired you to become an author? Okay, so this is a kind of a funny answer because I was not inspired by a book, which is Ooh, ironic. Okay. Um, I was inspired by an anime. <laughs> Hey, that works. <laughs> that counts so, as something literary. It counts. Tell us all about it. So when I was 13, my sister introduced me to the show called Escaflone or Tempo no Escaflone or The Vision of Escaflone, depending on who you talk to and whether or not you're watching Fox Kids. And it's this 26 uh, episode portal fantasy that I was in love with. And I, I think it holds up really well. I've rewatched it several times, but I watched this and I just in love with it and I wanted to tell a story that was like this story in Escaflone and so I figured well I could either become like an artist and do like comic books or I could write and I could objectively <clears throat> tell that I was a terrible artist but I could not objectively tell that I was also a terrible writer <laughs> and oh. so uh, I, I stuck to writing and that's where it happened. I love that so much. Okay so you said that you weren't really inspired by books but did you have any favorite books as a child you know when I was a kid the ones that I read the most were the clue books like the board game clue and Those the American books? girl yeah there's books there's a little <laughs> mystery <laughs> and like yeah and then um the American girl doll books which I never owned an American girl doll but I read like all the books <laughs> they were in my library at school so nice. I really like those I read a few like Animorph books I really loved Ella Enchanted. I think I was probably a teen by the time I read that one. That was would you say that's book. one of your three favorite books of all time? No, I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> but <Just wondering>. <laughs> I <laughs> do love that book. No, <laughs> it was actually the first book I ever read twice. And I very rarely reread a book. So Same. I do think it's amazing still, but I wouldn't say of all time. Okay. okay. So with that, you have these, so you've got all of these different books that you loved reading out of all of that. Who would be your favorite author now? My favorite, I have my, I would probably say my two favorite authors right now are Brandon Sanderson and Amy Harmon. Because Brandon, he just does amazing fantasy, amazing magic systems and amazing world building, but there's not enough romance. (laughs) So I read Amy Harmon (laughs) to get my romance kick. And let me tell you, when Amy Harmon writes fantasy, I am a happy duckling. It's my favorite. It's your favorite thing ever. Yeah. She writes historical and contemporary too. She's got a, she's dabbled in fantasy and Amy, this is where you belong. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) So you told Annie that Ella Enchanted did not make your three favorite books of all time. What are your three favorite books of all time? That's so hard because they changed so much. One that I probably would have loved as a kid, but I didn't read until I was an adult is Housemithing Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. I love that. I love, I know a lot of people don't, but I love the Studio Ghibli adaptation of it. And I actually watched that first. That's how I found out House Moving Castle was a book. I really love The Bird and the Sword by Amy Harmon. I think that was her first fantasy book. And oh man, it, it tickles my knickers in all the right ways, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I adore it. Um, 
So definitely that one. And then it's so hard to pick another one. Cause like, there's so many that like, I love daughter of the forest, but I've never reread it because Juliet really is amazing, but she is a dense writer, you yeah. know, but I have reread the hundred thousand kingdoms by NK Jemison. That's one of my favorite books. Um, so it might be that one. Uh, I have like a list of 15 on my Goodreads. I'm like, these books are amazing. And that one's <laughs> definitely on there. I had no idea that Halloween Castle was a book. And now I'm so intrigued to go track that oh, one yeah. down. <laughs> I think I have my pretty version of it right here. Ooh. This is the Folio Society version. Oh, I love it. That is amazing. What is your writing process like? Um, so when I get an idea, I usually will write it down somewhere, either in my remarkable, cause I've graduated from notebooks cause I'm fancy or on my computer. So I have like a, a brainstorming folder. It's just full of ideas. And if the idea sticks, then eventually I get more ideas with it. Cause the best ideas for books are the ideas that generate more ideas. And so I will start a notebook and I'll just start writing down everything about that idea that I think is cool. And when I see a story starting to form, then I start storyboarding on a wall with post-it notes. And then I can just start kind of seeing it visually. And then can you once, explain your colors though? Cause that part's fun. It depends on the book though. So I have to use different colors for different books. So like sometimes like, pink is almost always either a female point of view or it's a romantic subplot depending on the kind of book I'm writing so like for Will in the Wilds I didn't have a romantic subplot because it was the main plot if I have multiple point of view characters they usually will all get a different color or and then like I'll have like random stuff I don't know who's going to be doing this will be in a different color (laughs) you know so it depends on it depends on the book so but yeah, I, I post those on my Instagram sometimes if you guys ever want to see all my colorful post-it notes. But yeah, so I storyboard it. And then when the storyboard is done, I take a video of it on my phone, <laughs> like just like slowly scanning the post-it notes. And then I will type it up on my computer into an outline and fill in all the extra stuff on my outline. And then I write from that outline to make a first draft. So where do you okay. draw that inspiration for your stories? anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> so it's like, oh, where do you get your ideas? It depends on the book. Like I, you can get them anywhere. Speaking of House Moving Castle, the place I got the idea for Spellbreaker, the Spellbreaker series is that in that, in that movie, uh, Sophie asks the Witch of the Waste, like, will you break this curse on me? And the witch says, like, darling, my, my talents lie in, in casting spells, not breaking them. And I thought, wouldn't that be an interesting magic system if you had wizards who could cast or break spells, but they can't do both, you know? Or uh, the fifth doll came from me putting together a story maker's workshop on magic systems. Keeper of Enchanted Rooms, which is my newest book, it came from watching Bleak House. And I don't know why, but it's like, as soon as that- Wait, like, one- the lake house with- no, Bleak House no, by Charles Bleak Dickens. House. Bleak House. Yeah, Charles sorry, I heard Dickens. the Lake House, and so I thought, like, Keanu Reeves, <laughs> like, romance. <laughs> Here we go. No, Bleak House. Okay, that's very different. Thank you. Yeah. So in Bleak House, uh, the main character becomes the housekeeper for the guy whose name I can't remember. And I was just like, wouldn't it be cool it's to be a housekeeper not really for magic houses? <laughs> yeah. Um, though, I, I will tell you, I was rooting for them, <laughs> yeah. not for the other guy. No. That book did not get interesting until chapter 47. Let's just be honest. <laughs> um, I haven't read the book. I have only watched, I assume it was a BBC adaptation, but I don't actually know. But yeah, so that's where Keep Up Enchanted Rooms came from. So it just, like, 
anywhere and everywhere. Like the weirdest ideas can come like followed by frost. I got that idea from scraping off my windshield and my hands were really cold. I'm like, wouldn't it suck to feel like this all the time? <laughs> and that was a book, you know? And it's just interesting that like ideas that stick versus the ideas that don't. Cause I feel like there's some ideas I have that are really cool, but I don't want to write them. It's weird. Just some stick and some don't. I love the, the inspiration behind paper magician. Will you tell that one? honestly it was just on a road trip like we were I had lived in Moscow Idaho at the time and we were driving we would drive to and from Salt Lake for like holidays and such and I had learned um some basic origami in fifth grade that I thought was awesome and so I was just thinking about it and on a road trip like wouldn't it be cool if somebody could just make origami come to life which I know now I'm not the first person to think this but like that'd be so cool and immediately Emery Thane was in my head like but I was like, oh no, he's a side character. I don't want it to be about paper magic. And I kind of put it aside. And then on the way back, it's like, well, what if it was the main thing? And I'm like, <laughs> I want it to be part of a bigger magic system to know. So I'm like, what are aspects of paper? Paper's not that exciting. So there aren't that many, but I was like, well, it's man-made. So what if there were other man-made magics? And that's where that came along. Actually, I don't remember how I came up with CNE. I don't remember, but I remember like her name being she like in my head she's like my name is Sini I'm like that's a stupid name I'm not naming you that <laughs> but it just like wouldn't like go and so I had to I had to do it it's always kind of fun sometimes I feel like the characters when they talk to authors they're real they're real beings that are out there actually just like no no you're gonna write my story now that's what's gonna happen yeah, <laughs> yeah. um You've come up with some really amazing ideas and some really amazing premises. What is the one out of all of them that you're the most proud of? That's so hard to answer answer, because I've been asked this before and it's hard to say because the book that I like the most will always be the one that just came out. (laughs) Because it's like the newer, fresher, more novel one, pun intended. It's Um, your newest baby. It's your newest newest dog. It's your newest, yeah. Yeah. I am really proud of Keeper of Enchanted Rooms. I was absolutely terrified for it though. Cause I was like worried that people weren't gonna like it. But so far so good. So I am really proud of Keeper of Enchanted Rooms. Um, and honestly that series cause it's the first time that I'm willing to write like more than three books for a series. <laughs> so that's- You a have it sign. slated for four right now, right? I have it technically slated for three. I'm going to try to convince my publisher to make it five. Nice. So. That is we'll a big see. difference going from three to five. I know, but I, there's like all the stuff that I could do and I really <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> so well, and, and that would, that would make it your biggest, that would make it your biggest series to date. Yeah, it would be mostly, my biggest series. You have some standalones and you have a couple duologies and then you have mm-hmm. trilogies. Yeah. And the reason I have a couple duologies is because I struggle to write third books and uh, the Keeper of Enchanted Rooms like series. That's not any different. I struggle to write the third book. It's, I don't know what it is. I just, I always struggle to write third books, but for some reason I'm like, no, I must do book four and five because all these things must happen. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you struggle writing that fourth book? Why do you struggle writing the third book? Do you feel like, (laughs) do you feel like they're done at two? Honestly, I, most of the time, I think it's just, I'm tired of this world. I want to do something different, mm. which is mm. funny. Cause you think a third book would be easier because all the characters are established and all the world is right. established and you just get to, it should be easy. But every time I've written a third book, 
it has been difficult. Granted, one of them might've been due to pregnancy, but <laughs> um, every time. So Master Magician, I had a hard time writing. Siege and Sacrifice, I had a hard time writing, even though I would say probably the other, the other story that I'm the most proud of is the Numina series. And like Siege and Sacrifice had all my reveals that I had been working up to. But it, so like, I love that book, but it was hard for me to write it. It's weird. And then Boy of Chaotic Making, the third book in this Wimbrel House series, which is Keeper of Enchanted Rooms, was hard for me to write, uh, in part because of the mental health, but it's done now, so we're good. But yeah. So what are some fun facts that you've learned as you've been researching for your books? <laughs> you know what? One of my fun facts is something that people will try to correct me on a lot. Because they'll be like, did you mean a recipe book in Wimbrel House? Because Holda has a receipt book a yeah. lot. And we see receipt book and we assume it's like a ledger of expenses, but it's not. It's a book that's full of like recipes and like housekeeping tips and all this stuff. And I discovered those when I was doing Wimbrel House. I discovered how matches worked back then. You had to dip them into like sulfuric acid to light them. And I, I thought that was really interesting. I was always never afraid to share. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be so afraid to burn myself. I would just never light a right? match. Oh I'd be like, gosh. hey, someone else come light this match so I could light this lantern so I can yeah. see. Just give me flint and steel. I feel safer with this one. It's amazing <laughs> the terrible things we have to go through to get to where we are now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you guys ever watch like Victorian pharmacy on like YouTube, it's some of the things they had as medicine, it's like, well, no wonder you were short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like hesitant to be like, oh, these are like historical facts because I'm so afraid like I got something wrong and then someone will say you got this wrong. But from my understanding from reading this book that was, it was a nonfiction book, thank you. I think one of the reasons that women sat side saddle in the Regency era is because they didn't really wear underwear. <laughs> so they had to like stay modest. <laughs> But I could be wrong on that bike. I don't think they were wearing bloomers back then. I like the anyway. way that I, I think I think that sounds right. Like I like the thought process there. I'll go with it. Makes I know sense. a lot sure. about the historical upper <laughs> underwear. Like it went from stays to corsets to bras and and but not so much about the bottom half. <laughs> we don't talk about the bottom half. Ooh, that's too that's taboo. Too risque. <laughs> I mean, if ankles were were you know, pretty scandalous. Just oh imagine if you keep going up. So, the yeah, ankles. you know, I, I could see that. Do you want to hear my awesome ankle story? It's really short. Love to hear your awesome ankle Please story. Time, I got a 10% discount at Discount Tire for offering to show the guy my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Oh, it works, guys. <laughs> Next time That's still funny. scandalous. Still but scandalous. only if you feel like your ankles are sexy. Like, if you have sexy ankles, run with it. Sure, why not? Well, I think I have average, average white girl ankles. <laughs> They're blinding. Oh, I love that. That's funny. If you could live in any of these amazing complex worlds that you've created, which one would it be and why? Um, I would live in the one in the Nerds of Happy Valley where I have all my modern amenities because it is our world. Um, but not counting that one. <laughs> I would probably live in the Paper Magician. Just because magic is so permeated in that world that the lack of technology would be kind of made up for. And uh, women have slightly more rights. <laughs> you know, and then it's just like, I don't know, 
like it's 1901 England or 1902 England and it's it's fun and like I could become a magician if I wanted to which is really cool and I would do that so I probably would do the world of the paper magician okay so second question to go with that if you could enter one of the worlds that you wrote would you enter as yourself or as a different or like as a character that's already there okay that would depend on which world I was in <laughs> because I would say for most of the time I would just be myself you know because I'm a competent person but there are some places like um the Numina series where I would be crushed like a bug and I would rather just be grown and know how to fight and jump from buildings and and thieve and stuff and be able to survive um so the harsher ones I think I would I would be a character but the not as harsh ones it depends if I'm going into the historical ones do I get to be wealthy or do I not get to be wealthy you get to be whatever you want whatever you want yeah if I get to be wealthy it's your world you created it you can do whatever you want if I have to be poor I'll be somebody else who knows more than me if I get to be wealthy I'll just be myself so what was the first book that you sold because I know it's not the first book you wrote but what was the Mm -mm. first book you sold and how do you think it affected your trajectory as an author Oh, the first book I sold was The Paper Magician, and that was in 2013, I believe I sold it. And it definitely changed my trajectory. So Paper Magician was originally a high fantasy novel. It is a historical novel now. I will say alternate history because it's not historically accurate. It's alternate history, but I had been watching Downton Abbey at the time, and so it's very Downton Abbey. And when I sold it, the editor said, hey, let's make this the real world and we'll make it historical. I'm like, great, let's do it. And so I changed like the location places and everything to make it be in London. And because of that, there is now this expectation in my brand to write historical fantasies. I had never written historical fantasies in my life. (laughs) I just accidentally did this one basically with Paper Magician. Fortunately, after the Paper Magician series like came out, my agent was able to push Followed by Frost, which was I wrote before the Paper Magician series, which is high fantasy. And they did publish that one. And so now it's expected that I will write both historical and high fantasy because high fantasy was always my, my first love. Um, since then, though, I have really kind of fallen in love with historical stuff, mostly Victorian, um, just because it's fun. Also, historical is way harder High fantasy, you just make crap up. Historical, you have to actually research and get it right. So if I did a different era, I would have to kind of start from ground one, you know? But um, I love both of them now. And when I write, I just, I kind of switch back and forth. Like I'll write historical, then I'll write a high, then I'll do a historical, then I'll do a high. Okay. Always romance though. I have noticed they're always kissing books. (laughs) There's only one book of mine that has no kissing in it. And that is Smoke and Summons. There's no kissing in it. But that so one has a swear word in it, doesn't it? Huh? Doesn't your male lead in in smoke in your Numina trilogy, doesn't he swear? Um, I will drop dams and hells and bastards, but I don't ever do the harder swearing because brand. <laughs> so if Paper Magician was the first one that sold, what was the first one you wrote? Um, it was called the Oracle Seals. It was 169,000 uh, words long, and it was written like a very bad JRPG. <laughs> uh, I never edited it or anything. Paper Magician was the ninth book I finished. So there are many books that have never seen the light of day. The only one before that that did is Followed by Frost, which was my sixth book. Okay. 
Do you think those books will ever see the light of day or not so much? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there's what one of them um, I wrote before I understood um, diversity and own voices. So that will definitely never see the light of day because I have grown as a human being. Um, but there is one that has a magic system in it that I really like. Actually, there's two that have a magic system I really like. And so that part might come out. One, I did recycle the magic system once and I wrote a whole book. It was called Her Majesty's Teeth. But when I went to go read it again, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But I do have two magic systems. I maybe in the future would get recycled. So what do you look for when you're thinking up new ideas? I usually don't think them up on purpose. So like I said, it's super random, like random things will happen. Like I'll be watching a movie and be like, well, I would have taken this movie this way and I'll get, I'll write down that idea. Or again, like I'm scraping my windshield. I'm like, Ooh, this would be cool, you know, or <laughs> something like that. And usually the ideas come completely by accident. I'm like, I'm like looking at my shelf. Oh, so Star Mother, the idea for Star Mother, for example, actually came from the cover of a different book. So Kimberly Loth has a book called God of the Sun. I have not read it. And if you go look it up now, she has since changed her cover. And actually the new cover is better, but her old cover, and I don't know why this meant anything to me. It's just the back of a woman's head. She has like long wavy dark hair and she's looking away and it just says God of the sun over the top of it. And that's it. And as soon as I saw that, the first like line of star mother just popped into my head. And it's something like, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but something like, I thought that making love to the sun would be the worst pain I would ever experience, but giving birth to his child was far worse. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this person? I need to write her book, you know? And like, I wasn't looking for the idea. It just happened, you know? And that's usually how it happens. And that one definitely stuck. And then I took a trip, my very first and only trip to Europe. I got to see like French cathedrals. And I went to Bayou with the Bayou tapestry. And so a lot of that influenced that book as well but they usually just come purely by accident. That's amazing. I love that. So you've got quite an amazing catalog that's out. Do you have, what do you have that's coming out sooner that just recently came out that any of our friends can look forward to finding from you? Well, I will tell you, Keep Your Enchanted Rooms, like I mentioned, just came out on November 1st. And so I am very proud of that book. And the sequel to it, um, Air of Uncertain Magic, will release in April. So Air of Uncertain Magic, which is the sequel, comes out April 11th of this year. And then September 5th, I have a standalone high fantasy. It's my troll romance called The Hanging City, which well, I just said it's coming out September 5th. And I'm really proud of that one. It'll be my longest published book. That's so exciting. Wow. Thank you. All right. So earlier we asked you what your top three favorite books were. And you said Howl's mm -hmm. Moving Castle, The Bird and the Sword, and The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. Mm -hmm. What we would like for you to do, please, is we would like for you to assign each of us one of those books. When we return for season <gasps> three, we're going to each talk about one of the books that you assigned us, plus one that was a bestseller from the year that you were born. So we're going to celebrate you again at the beginning of season Ooh. three. So I who would you like? Who would you like to God. read each book? <laughs> okay, let's see. None of you guys have. Do any of you guys have any steam limits on romance? Because one of these is definitely uh, steamier than the others. I don't think I have, so. No. I, okay. Yeah, I have no limit. We're fine. Okay. Have any? You guys haven't read any of these books. No. But Nia has seen the Miyazaki House of the Castle. I have, I know of it, but I haven't actually seen the movie. Ooh. Well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Nia House Moving Castle. Okay. So 
I am going to give, looking at your eyes, I'm going to give Sydney the 100,000 kingdoms and I'm going to give Annie the bird and the sword. Okay. Awesome. I'm excited. Fantastic. Thank I you. I love this. I feel like I have so much power. <laughs> you do. You have all of the power right now. You have the power to decide whether or not we really, really enjoy our next couple months or just semi-enjoy our next couple of months. <laughs> yeah, right. Because we will enjoy it no matter what. It's just, will just, we really enjoy it or only a little bit? I also just made Sydney read for the longest amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with this. I got the shortest one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Charlie, we want to thank you so very much for taking your time out of your day to talk with us. It's been such a pleasure and we really appreciate you coming and talking and sharing your stories with all of our friends. Friends, please be sure to check out all of Charlie Ann Holmberg's books, including her upcoming sequel, Air of Uncertain Magic, and her troll fantasy coming out in September, which is, sorry, the something the Hanging, hanging City. city? Okay. Mm-hmm. There we go. I didn't write it down. I should have written it down. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. I could not remember that. <laughs> friends, thanks for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we'll see you next time when we return for season three. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack. If you read a book from this stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. Remember that you are much different now than you were an hour ago, Sioni. Before, you merely read about magic. Now you have it. Denying it won't make you return to ordinary. The Paper Magician, Charlie Holmberg.